Hey, welcome to Younger and Older. This is Jason and Dave hanging out at the studios at Silver Ranch in the North Woods of Wisconsin, which is also the campus of Nicolay Bible Institute, which is a one-year Bible college program that we host here on the campus of Silver Ranch. And it's a great opportunity for um, whether it's just graduating seniors out of, out, of, out of high school or even college-age students, or even we've had a little bit older than that, you know, kind of that young adult stage of life where you're not sure, or even if you are sure where you want to go, but you want to go at life with a solid biblical foundation, I would encourage you to come here because uh, we, we have some college-level courses that are foundational, you know, Old Testament, New Testament, spiritual formation, doctrine, theology, all that sort of stuff, and all in the context of doing life together. And so you get mentored. You also have the opportunity to, to learn how to serve. So in, in a culture that is all about self, it, we try to come alongside and say, all right, what does it look to be humble and to die to yourself and to put others first? Because yep. God has called us to love him and to love others. And so we try to do that practically here all in a year time with, with the students. And it's fun because uh, a lot of the students that come end up making friends for life um, and there's relationships for life. And so if that's something that it's like, man, that sounds like refreshing. Uh, I encourage you to head over to NicolayBibleInstitute.org um, and check it out. It's affordable. It's super cheap. Um, and in a world that's quickly going anywhere yeah. else, you know, it's a great place to get away, you know. You know, I think one of the most important investments anyone can make is a year where they just are away from their their normal situations. Yeah. Where they can reestablish what is right and true in the world in which they live. They challenge their, we've talked about it, a place and a pace and they challenge their perspective. Yeah. yeah. And Nicolay Bible Institute does that. So if, if you're listening or you're a parent and you're listening and you have a young person that is wondering what to do, I encourage you, look at Nicolay Bible Institute. We would love to have them on our campus. We would love to challenge them to know God and to walk with them and to, to have a life uh, that includes some of the stuff we're talking about in the last program and in this program where they have the truth that invades their hearts and minds. They've, they've, they've gotten to the point where they realize what they need to do to be successful. Yeah. And most young people today don't know that. They're, they're still living off of a lot of emotions, a lot of feelings, and that's evident by the fruit of a lot of anxiety, depression, suicide, that kind of thing. So anxiety, depression, suicide, anger, those yeah. things are not fruits of the Spirit. Yeah. So they're listening to something they shouldn't be listening to. Yeah. They have inputs that they shouldn't be having. And I think there needs to be time where they're challenged as young people to do what they should do, to have the inputs that they should have. It doesn't, it, it, there's no magic formula, and I'm not saying there is, but at least there's an effort to do that. So. Right, right. And Dave, that even goes back to a conversation that we started in our previous episode about how it's so crucial that we have an understanding that, that God values us and that we're not a mistake, that he created us on purpose, that we are his creation. And, and, and living with that truth is something that we need to understand because it, we, we're a culture that allows it, it seemingly anything else to influence us but God. Right. You know, even within the Christian realm, you know, we talk about living for God, but if you were to stop and pause and look at the hours of influence, you know, the amount of time that we have earbuds in our ears and it's just music people it's like oh music well it's it's an influence right there's a message there and i think that it's important for us to pause and, and look at all right how do i live each day knowing that god loves me he created me he has a purpose for me yeah. because it impacts you know especially some of the dialogue that we see in our culture and and we see it all the time but it, being an election year it's almost amplified um, and we started this conversation where we even see our president and vice president, you know, advocating to kill babies yeah. uh, in the womb. And I say, use those words intentionally because we know that God formed each and every 
um, person in the womb before they were born and knew them. Um, and, and, and to say that it's okay just to, to categorize them as a random blob of protoplasm that yeah. isn't life. Like that's, it's silly. It's nonsense. Yeah. And um, we encourage all those young people listening to us that this is about murder. This isn't about choice. It's, it's really, this isn't right to go and to destroy a life. And we've gone through the scriptures and we've seen that those people who are used greatly of God, they understood that they were creations of God. Yeah. And they understood that before they were even born, God knew their name. He had a plan for them. And he's the one that created them in the womb. You know, and it's, it, this is important. So I honestly believe that Satan is using a ploy of just mixing up the words. I mean, when you talk about women's health care, there's not one human being on the planet that thinks women shouldn't have health care. Right. But when you use that term and you really mean murdering babies, that's not women's health care. Mm -hmm. That would be like um, saying we believe in elderly health care and, and you're somebody who promotes uh, euthanasia. Mm -hmm. you know, and you're just trying to figure out who you can you know, kill because they're taking up too much space. But you call it elderly health care. Yeah. That's not the way that those are, to me, it is so satanic, that whole idea. Mm -hmm. And I know people are going to say, oh, so you're saying that those people believe in abortion. Yeah, I am actually. I'm saying I think they believe a lie. Yeah. Because God has made it very clear and he's the ultimate authority in life. And he has said that he is the one that created us in the womb. He wove, he wove us together in our mother's womb. Mm -hmm. We ended our last uh, episode, our last podcast Galatians 1.15, we were talking about the Apostle Paul who said, but something happened for please God in his kindness to choose me and call me, comma, even before I was born. Yeah. And then he goes on to say, what undeserved mercy. And the, the, the next uh, person I want to look at is, is um, Isaiah. Listen to what Isaiah says in chapter 49, verses 1 to 5. Listen to me, all of you, in far off lands. The Lord called me before my birth from within the womb he called me by name that's the first verse of the 49th chapter yeah now you look at guys like isaiah you look at guys like paul you you look at these people who did significant things in life while people tried to to beat them up and and discourage them they couldn't be discouraged because they understood the truth when you understand the truth you can stand against the lies of Satan, and you can actually make headway because it's truth that defeats him, not you. Yeah. Let me read the rest of this passage. Isaiah 49, 1 to 5. Listen to me, all of you in far off lands. The Lord called me before my birth. From within the womb, he called me by name. He made my words of judgment as sharp as a sword. He has hidden me in the shadow of his hand. I am like a sharp arrow in his quiver. He said to me, you are my servant. Israel, and you will bring me glory. I replied, but my work all seems so useless. I've spent my strength for nothing and no purpose at all. Yet I leave it all in the Lord's hands. I will trust God for my reward. Verse 5, and now the Lord speaks. He who formed me in my mother's womb to be his servant, who commissioned me to bring his people of Israel back to him. The Lord has honored me and my God has given me strength. That's where Isaiah's strength came from. Absolutely. It didn't come from, oh, there's a battle and I'm strong enough to fight it. Mm -hmm. No, it came from understanding the fact that before he was born, God knew his name. 
And I think there are many people that are so confused today about what is going on in life and, and understanding the value of, of human life. Mm-hmm. You know, a lot of them, it's like trying to figure out what it means to be blessed. You know, I mean, yeah. it's like um, if I'm not blessed, then I'm not loved. What does it mean to be blessed? Mm-hmm. Does it mean that you have more money than somebody else? Does it mean you're you're stronger than somebody else? Does it mean you have more health than somebody else? I mean, what does it mean? Yeah. Uh, I think when you look at the whole picture, you realize, all right, God, there's so much that's not in my hands. What is in my hand is trying to understand what truth is. And right. it's the truth that sets me free. And what Satan is doing nonstop, he understands the danger of truth. Yeah. So he's getting truth just kind of redefined in different ways, th- different ways it's acceptable to me to try and figure out how he can confuse me. And the fruit of lies is always going to be discouragement. It's going to be depression. It's going to be anxiety because it's lies. Mm-hmm. Uh, the last program I encouraged you, when you see fruit that's not fruit of the spirit, to look and see what absorption is happening and why and how that's happening. Right. And to adjust the absorption rate. Uh, likewise, if you want to understand what it is to be blessed, um, I would say the the most important thing is you go to the scriptures and you ask, who is blessed in the scripture? Mm-hmm. And I would go back to the, the most blessed woman in history is Mary. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's declared in the Bible, blessed are you among all the women. Okay, what is blessedness then? Mm-hmm. I mean, look at her. She was a, a teenager, became pregnant by the Holy Spirit. Nobody would believe that. Right. Everybody thought she was promiscuous. Yeah. So yeah. in that in that sense, that's blessed. So yeah. so you're misunderstood by Joseph, your fiance. You're misunderstood by your parents. You're misunderstood by your culture. You're an outcast now. Yeah. Now, now it doesn't stop there though. So Joseph was going to silently put her away. Okay. Well, then God spoke to Joseph and said, "No, this is the plan." Mm-hmm. And so Joseph then understood the plan and and went with it, obviously, because he saw it was from God. Right. So Joseph and Mary then were living in an environment where she had a reputation for being a promiscuous girl who did things she shouldn't do. Yep. But that wasn't who she was. It was exactly the opposite, actually. Mary had to be careful to listen to the truth Mm -hmm. because there were lies all around her. People were whispering behind her back all the time. Yep. Yep. And that's how it is today. Not only that, but then... So, so she goes on in life here, and, and, uh, and she ends up nine months pregnant she, or whatever, and she gets on a donkey. She goes to Bethlehem. There's no room for her. So they put her in a manger, you know, put her in a stall, put her in a manger. And the first people that, that come and celebrate with her are a bunch of shepherds or a bunch of nobodies. Yeah. So she's not in an inn. And when I look at that, I really don't know all the dynamics, and I don't want to pretend that I do. It just seems very interesting to me that a lady comes, and she's nine months pregnant. She's going to give birth. She's going to a place where all her extended relatives are, and there's no room for her in the inn. I'm just going to leave it there. That's got to hurt a little bit where there's no room for her in the inn. But she did have a place to give birth. And some say, well, it wasn't that bad. I, I really don't know. All I know is that the Bible makes a point of telling us there was no room in the inn, so she gave birth in a stable so there must be a point there that means something. Yeah. The, 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 the shepherds came and they started to, you know, do their thing and worship him. And I'm sure Mary was just pondering all these things in her heart, as it says. 
And that's what we have to do. We have to start realizing there's a plan no matter who we are in life, that God has a plan. And before we were born, there was a plan. He knew our name. We need to know the truth, and we need to live in it. It's the only thing that got Mary through this. Eventually, she took her child. She was on the run. Eventually, Joseph disappears from the page of Scripture. I mean, disappears. We don't know what happened to him. So my speculation is at some point Mary was a single mom, but that may not be true. I just don't know what happened to Joseph along the way. And, and then one day, Mary is standing before a cross where her son is being crucified. Yeah. Where's the blessing start? Mm-hmm. I mean, that's what you've got to ask. You, right. you look at that and go, she's the most blessed? Now, do I want to be blessed? Mm-hmm. Well, I think what she was blessed with was great purpose in life, and she knew it. Yeah. Now, everyone else didn't know it, mm-hmm. but she knew it. So if I'm talking to somebody right now that, that feels like they're a, an accidental blob of protoplasm or that, that, that people aren't really significant to God, no, they are. Before you were born, whoever's listening to this, I'll tell you, before you were born, he knew you. Yeah. And he had a plan for you. Now, now you can either seek that plan out, and the Bible tells us that if you seek God, you'll find him. So you can seek that out, or you can be somebody who just lives by the accident rule and says whatever comes, comes, and now all of a sudden you are an accidental blob of protoplasm because that's the way you're living. Mm-hmm. But that's never the way it was intended to be. Right. The truth is what will set you free. So looking at this, you see, okay, these guys in the Bible, whether they be um, you know, the people like Isaiah or Paul or David, where he talks about I was, I was knit together in my mother's womb, these people understood their strength came from the fact that God created them with a plan. Mm-hmm. Mary, God created them, created her, created Jesus, and a plan was revealed. Yeah. So as I think of your sons, I think they need to know that God created them and there's a plan. Mm-hmm. Regardless of what it is. Yeah. Uh, you know, I may not know that plan. Mm-hmm. But the goal in life is for them to discover it and not to allow anyone to rob them from that. Yeah. So I can go into the Bible and I can discover all kinds of, um, of different principles that help me fall into that plan. For example, I could start thinking that I'm important if, if I have uh, food or money. But then I can go in the Bible and I can see there are people who are important and blessed that didn't. Mm-hmm. So how does that work? That's the question. When you look at, at, at the Sermon on the Mount in, in, in um, Matthew chapter 5, God talks about, Jesus talks about being blessed, and he's just twisting everything. Oh, yeah. I mean, oh, the whole yeah. culture is upside down here. It says, seeing the crowds went to the mountain, he sat down. His disciples came to him, and he opened his mouth, and he taught them, saying, Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are those who mourn, for they shall be comforted. Blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they shall be satisfied. Blessed are the merciful, for they shall receive mercy. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called the sons of God. Blessed are those who are persecuted for righteousness' sake, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are you when others revile you and persecute you and utter you, uh, utter all kinds of evil against you and falsely on my account. Uh, very simple. Yeah. He redefines what blessed is. Absolutely. And if you look at it, it's like, you know, those who are actually in the real war and understand it, they're blessed. Yeah. And I remember 
when I was um, playing football in college, and I got hurt my senior year, and I didn't get to play my senior year. And I was standing on the sidelines, and I was watching everyone else play one game. And I had my arm in a kind of a sling and a cast from the injury that I had. So I, I wasn't in a condition where I could play at all, but I could just watch. I wasn't even in a condition where I could get too excited about the game because I could pop stitches or something. So it was like, no, got to just watch this. And and we played a team that we struggled with, but we won. And, and it was a great day of victory. Yeah. And I can remember the other guys coming over to me on the sidelines and saying, we won, you know, and coming over and trying to include me in it. And I can remember looking at them thinking, we didn't win. You won. Mm-hmm. I didn't go out there for one play. I didn't contribute one bit to this victory. I sat here and watched. Yeah. And I thought, I know what they're trying to say. They're trying to say you were part of the team even though you were injured. And I understand that. And that was nice of them. Yeah. But I was also understanding something that I, I think has shaped me far better than you were part of the team so you can be proud of this. The thing that shaped me more was I missed the opportunity to be part of this victory. Mm. They did it without me. Yeah. I think that we as believers need to understand that there's a battle going on between Satan and God. Your kids need to understand that. We need to understand that. And that God doesn't need us to win this. Mm-hmm. He doesn't need us to do that. Yeah. However, we get the privilege of being a part of it. Absolutely. But if we're going to be a part of it, if we're going to do that, then we're going to be opposed. Mm-hmm. And if we're opposed, it can get messy. Yeah. And therefore, blessed are those who are persecuted for righteousness' sake. Blessed are those who persecute uh, when, when they revile you or persecute you. The, the bottom line is they're not persecuting you because you're not valuable. Mm-hmm. They're persecuting you because you are valuable. Be- yeah, absolutely. So you have to see that and understand it and go with it. Yeah. You know, and I think, you know, as we prepare for summer, you know, you know, wintertime is always summer prep time for me. And our theme this summer is the hidden realm. Mm-hmm. And I think that we get so used to just looking at culture and, and not thinking deep, you know. And you don't even really have to think deep, but understanding that there is a battle going on. You know, and I like what you just said is like, you know, y- you were you were part of the team, but you weren't part of the victory because you're kind of just on the sidelines. And right. I think I think many of us don't realize that we're on the sidelines, you know, but we have the power and the ability to be part of the victory that's already been won and to take, you know, a, an active role in that, you know, because the, the thing I like about what you just read, Dave, about, the Sermon on the Mount. And if you haven't had a chance to read the Sermon on the Mount in Matthew chapter five, six, and seven, yeah. you know, just take time, you know, even if you take a, a week and just read through those verses, you know, um, is, is you stopped in the verses right out in verse 12, right after it. Uh, I'm reading out of the NLT. I don't know what, what version you do, but it says, be happy about it. Right. Be very glad for a great reward waits in heaven. Remember the ancient prophets were pu- persecuted in the same way. You know, just like we were talking about Mary, like what about Mary was blessed? It's like she had all this junk happen to her. Right. But that's that's the redefinition of what blessed is, yeah. is we're here for for a greater purpose, knowing that this this reality is temporary and that we are living for the reunite reunification. Yeah. Sorry. <laughs> With <right>. Jesus. <laughs> Big word. <laughs> um, and that's that's really what it's about. That's the Super Bowl we're looking forward right. to. Um, and so in the here and now, I think we lose sight of that. But we need to remind ourselves that that's why we were created in the first place, was to be part of the process. And God created us in a way with the gifts and the talents to be able to be active in the role, not to be passive in the role. And all of that happened in the womb. 
right. when he knit us together. And that, that, that's the full circle of this conversation is that none of us are accidents. None of us. Right. And if you need to hear that today, you are not an accident, no matter what anybody tells you. You are here for a reason and a purpose. You have gifts and talents that God has given you to be part of this victory that he has. So stop living on the sidelines and start saying, God, how can you use me to do incredible things, knowing that you might face ridicule, you might face persecution. Right. But that's that's what being blessed is all about. Yeah. You know, it reminds me again of a, of a story, I, I, and I've told this story before, but I can remember uh, years ago when Reggie White played for the Green Bay Packers, and he was a dominant force. He yeah. came from the Philadelphia Phillies. Phillies. <laughs> Came uh-huh. from the Philadelphia <laughs> Eagles. Different sport. Different he might, sport, he might have played right. baseball too. I don't know. Yeah, yeah. But he he came over and and he he was with the team when they won a Super Bowl. He was dominant. Mm-hmm. And I remember an interview, and I don't remember all the exact words, but I remember after the the Super Bowl and that kind of thing, they were talking to him and they were saying, "Man, Reggie, you know you you were often double team, triple team. There are times we even kind of four guys going after you." He said, "That's got to be hard to live that way." Yeah. You know, what I mean that's constantly knowing that they're going to throw more than one guy at you. And I remember Reggie snickered mm-hmm. like it was funny. Yeah. And I thought, I don't think he said anything funny, but I'm waiting for his response. He just said, that just means I'm relevant. Mm-hmm. You know, and it was like, I, I've never forgotten that little yeah. saying because it's like most guys would have said, yeah, you know how hard it is to go against four guys? Yeah. And Reggie's going, only four? There's 11 out here. Uh-huh. You know, I'm, I'm – I can take on four guys and somebody else is going to be free. Mm-hmm. And I thought, isn't that how we are? If if we actually walk with God and love God, Satan starts to go, hey, there's a guy over there that's being used of God. Yeah. Job is his name. Right. I'm going to avoid him, first of all. And he did. And God had to point out who he was. And when God pointed out who he was, of course, it sounded like Satan didn't really want to go after him all that much. But, okay, I have to now. Yeah. He's on the stage. But it's one of those things where, okay, I'm going to unleash on this Job guy. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you know what, Joe Satan? You never really get him. Mm-hmm. It's one of those things in life where you unleashed, but you unleashed on the wrong guy. Yeah. And I encourage, again, you go back to look at the book of Job. He, he's the one that says, you know, God gives and God takes. He understood God made me. God could take my life one day. He was in the realm of truth. Yeah. He understood that God loved him and he wouldn't make a mistake. He may not have understood the battle. I think sometimes the big issue that modern Christians have is we mistake understanding uh, instead of just obeying. Mm. You, you don't need to understand everything. Yeah. So you might talk to your kids, for example. Oh, you right. might, you yeah. might talk to them about something and say, at our house, uh, we always cut the grass on Monday. I, I don't know, whatever. And, and they're going, why? It's, you might have 100 reasons, and they don't need to know them. I'll just cut the grass on Monday. Yeah. When you get older, they'll find out, you know, that's what your dad did, your grandpa did. So it's a family tradition, and as, as dumb as you may think it is, that's what you do. You cut it on Mondays. But but at least they got a reason one day. Yeah. But there may be times, budget-wise, you know, or, or you know, um, recently you gave me uh, that we got some little um, ice cream bars. Oh, yeah. Those are pretty good, by yeah. the way. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. They were deadly good. Yes. I'm thinking I should have got 100 of those things because <laughs> they're, they're, de- they're deadly good. But if if I had kids, I wouldn't allow them to eat boxes uh, of them. Yeah, right, you, right. You know, and, and yet if I'm a kid, I'm going, why? These things are good. You right. I mean? Oh, totally. They, they feel good here. They feel good everywhere. I yes. want I want to eat these ice cream bars. So bottom line really is 
what your kids eventually have to do is say, well, dad's older than I am and smarter than I am and loves me. I better listen to him. I just don't understand him all the time. Right. And that's a phrase I've used with young people all the time. God is older than you and he's smarter than you and he loves you. Right. So notice I didn't say that you need to understand him. Right. You need to obey him because of those things. And when you obey them, in time, you're going to be glad you did. Mm -hmm. It it may not make sense all the time, but it doesn't have to make sense. And that's what goes against, I think, modern culture. We're trying to make sense of things. And so we think, okay, you hear this question a lot. Something bad, in your perception, bad happens. You go, why would God allow this to happen? Okay, I understand. What you're doing is trying to understand. But if I go to God's character, knowing God, I can say, I know that he didn't let something happen by accident. Mm -hmm. I know that he always operates out of love. I know that he wants me to fulfill the plan he created me before I was born. Yeah. Since I know all those things, I act in accordance with those things. Mm -hmm. Um, I encourage those that are listening to write down some things that you absolutely know. And when your life doesn't show it, ask yourself why. Yeah. For example, uh, the simple things like, do you believe God loves you? Yes. Then act like it. See, that's the thing you write down. God loves me. So when you're not acting like it, you need to ask yourself, why am I not acting like God loves me? Mm -hmm. Is it because he doesn't love you? Or is it because you've believed a lie? Right. You know, what other things can you write down that you know for sure? You know, uh, does God have a plan for your life? Yes. Act like it. So then I would put next to it, act like it. You know what I mean? Because there's times where I don't act like it. Mm -hmm. Like, oh, big mistake here. No. There's no mistakes. God didn't make a mistake. Uh, do you think that God is trustworthy? Yes. Act like it. In yeah. other words, you know, I mean. Absolutely. So now I got this list, and yeah. it's, it's, a, it's a generic list in a way, but it's saying, I believe that God loves me. Mm-hmm. I believe that, uh, you know, he's worthy of my trust. I, I believe that everything he does is right and good. And So why is it that my actions sometimes don't reflect that? Mm-hmm. That is a very valuable exercise for anybody because what it does is it forces you to go back into truth yeah. and start dealing with things that you're playing with in your head where maybe you've lied about things or you're, you're believing lies somewhere yeah. because it's distorting that truth in, in your life. So um, I encourage you. Well, that's one of the best questions I think you can ask is, for me, why don't I act like it? Not God, because God... The one thing, not one, but one of the things I always have to do is go back to God and realize on a regular basis, you are beyond my comprehension. Yeah. I do not know so much. I can't focus on all that I don't know. Mm-hmm. I can only focus on that minuscule amount of things that I actually do know. And right. it's really minuscule. Oh, right. Yeah, yeah. So God made me, had a plan for me before I was born. I understand there is a purpose in my life, and I'm going to live in accordance with that. Yeah, and as you ask yourself those questions, be honest with yourself. Otherwise, don't ask yourself the question. Right. You know, I mean, that's part of it is in, in order to grow, in order to, to trust who God is, we have to be honest with ourselves and, and dialogue with it. That way we can trust in the truth that, you know, he formed us, he created us, and he has purpose for us. Absolutely. Uh, and like I said, if, if, if it's been a while since you read Matthew 5, I encourage you to take some time, whether it's today, tonight, uh, and just read through it. It doesn't take that long. And, and maybe spend a week in there and just say, all right, God, what is it that you want me to, to learn about you and to grow in you that, to, that helps me understand 
how to be blessed, how to, how to focus on the important things in life, because life is greater than just, you know, the, the, the quick satisfaction that we're looking for. Unfortunately, that's all the time that we have here on Younger and Older. I encourage you to head over to silvertranch.org to re-listen to this episode or check out other episodes or head to your favorite podcast and website. But for now, this is Jason and Dave on Younger and Older. Take care. We'll see you next time. Bye-bye.